these guys have a powerful story to share. I think you're going to be blessed. I think we're going to hear from Hassan first, right? And so we just let's make them feel welcome. Let's give lots of big smiles as they speak. Um, but I'll just pass it over to them. My name is Hassan, and I've come to Tinzira, and it has been a bit cold, but it has been fun. It has also been hard, but I've enjoyed. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so we've we've been here for three months now all together, and we're going to share a little bit about what our journey's been like to get here over the last six years. To begin with, uh, I'll, I'll probably break up, break up the six years into three parts. So the first part was when we met, two years of when we met, and then the next two years was getting to know each other. <laughs> And then the final two years was the adoption. It's going to start off a little bit light, and then we'll get into some mucky stuff. Um, so in the, t in the two years that we met, I was mostly in New Zealand. They were both in Uganda. I was serving with EMI as a missionary. Uh, Mallory was... Mallory's my wife now. <laughs> She'll come... She'll come up later. <laughs> uh, Mallory was the director and co-founder of Doors Ministries, and Hassan was on the streets. So at that, at that time, Hassan uh, was really sick. He was passed out on the street. People were uh, stepping over him to get to their jobs and carry on with their work. Our friend found him, and uh, we managed to get him to a hospital, and he made it through. So... We, we got together and we played Monopoly a few times a day, and that's really when, when the connection happened. After that was the two years of getting to know each other. Again, I was mostly living in New Zealand. Uh, we, we spent a lot of time uh, together. It was about six months when I went back to work with EMI as a missionary. Um, similar sort of work, I was there as an engineer. And Mallory and Hassan decided to move out of the home that they were living in. So that was, that was the point in which she decided that she was going to foster for adoption with Hassan. Uh, from, from, from that point, I was, I was nearby, and that's, that's when I asked her out on a date, and we began dating. And... It was, it was pretty tough to leave at the end of the six months, and I think what got us through it was a couple of promises that we received from the Lord. Uh, I'll, I'll get into that in a minute, but we, we decided to do some traveling in order to get to know each other better. So in, for Christmas, we were in Uganda with Hassan. For Easter, we were in, the, we were in New Zealand. For my birthday, we were in the U.S., and then for Christmas again, we were in Uganda. And that worked really well. We got to see each other's families and get to know each other's friends. But th about three quarters of the way through that, and, and this leads us into, so the first two years was meeting each other, second two years was getting to know each other, and the final two years was the adoption. Um, I say the adoption, but we actually got married twice as well. <laughs> so... A lot happened in the last two years, and that's what we're mostly going to be discussing here today, what our experiences were, what we learned from God in that process. Uh, and that really all begins with two promises that we received from the Lord. Uh, one promise was 
that I received from the Lord, and that was that he would be the provider for our family. Uh, he, he confirmed that with me uh, he, by promising us a house before we were married. And a uh, word that Mallory got was that she would be done with Uganda in June. And so we went into the two years of adoption. All right, we're going to get married. <laughs> and it's gonna, we'll, we'll get married in Uganda in June. And everything else will sort of, you know, God, God will take care of the rest. Uh, it, was, it was really challenging to... It was, it was a process of humbling for both of us in order to be able to stand on God's word. I think there's a passage in Deuteronomy, somewhere in the Old Testament, but he's talking to the Israelites. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known in order to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So we had God's word, but there were some difficulties in us trusting in his promises and, and fighting for his promises spiritually. It was more than just the physical process of getting our adoption case in. Uh, we actually had to uh, pray and worship and fast together, and, and we had to be together in it. It wasn't working when... We had different ideas, and so it was a huge spiritual battle through this process. I'll, I'll just go through the process of the adoption, and then I'll talk about something that we learned together. Um, so I think I mentioned this. We bought a house. A week later, I proposed. A week later, we signed some uh, legal marriage certificate. We had a vow ceremony in the U.S. with our parents, our parents were unable to travel to Uganda for the wedding. Um, we had an engagement party in the U.S. so that our parents could tell all our friends and family we were getting married. <laughs> and then uh, after that, we found out from there, there was a Uganda law change around the foster process. So instead of fostering for four years, we only had to foster for one year, which was good. But then at the same time, we also found out that because Mallory was about to get married, they wouldn't grant the adoption in her name. So we had to start the foster process again. Uh, I had to move to Uganda for five months, six months, where my boss gave me some work. So I was working over the internet, doing some engineering, earned maybe $10,000 over that whole six months. But it was enough to tie us over, and, and God provided for us all the way through. Um, we, we had trouble with the police. They wouldn't give us the paperwork that we needed for the adoption. They kept saying they didn't have paper and they just wanted a bribe. We hate bribes. God hates bribes. God hates bribes. There's so much corruption in the world and we weren't going to pay that bribe. So um, eventually we managed to get into government. Someone wagged their finger at someone else. They said they'd do it, but then all their computers got stolen. <laughs> so so all, the, all the computers at the police station were stolen, and then we had to wait longer. Um, 
things like this kept occurring, we, we managed to get our adoption case into the court before our wedding in June, but then the court went on strike for a month, and then they went on holiday for a month. <laughs> it was just so, dis- so discouraging and demoralizing, uh, but at the same time, the Lord was providing for us, and he gave us, we had a f- um, we had a friend who said, hey, I want to buy you guys a flight. Um, he didn't know anything about what had, had just happened. And so it was, it was rewarding and encouraging for us to have that time together. Mallory came back to New Zealand with me. I had to come back to New Zealand for my job. Um, it was just really encouraging to know that God still had us. He was, he was our provider. Um, so she came back f- until their holiday was over and then went back to Uganda for the court date. The verdict was no because the age gap between um, us and Hassan was 19 years. It was supposed to be 20 years. So we were told, come back in three years' time when the age gap is larger. <laughs> that was a bit frustrating, so we appealed the verdict. You're allowed one appeal before, if you get thrown out twice, and you have to wait the full term before you resubmit your adoption papers. So we appealed the verdict, and eventually the and and this happened quite a lot in this process. We had we had a lot of frustration with people coming against us, but then their hearts would change. And the, the judge said to Mallory, "Why are you being so persistent?" And and we're like, "Well, we can't leave Hassan." And we, we want to be together as a family. So the judge said to us, I really, really hope that your adoption is granted. And we're sitting there thinking, well, adopt it. I mean, I mean give, give, us a, give us a yes. And so we went back for the second court date. And in that same day, she gave us a yes. And that was great. And we, we, had, we had the same thing with the LC. She was on our side. We had the ministry the panel of Ministry of Gender, they were all on our side. We had everyone on our side by the end of it. Everyone that was against us ended up helping fight for us. Um, the The paperwork from then on, I mean, the battles continued. We, we needed a birth certificate. It came back female. <laughs> we had to send it back so they could correct it. That took two months, two days to get the birth certificate back, two months for them to correct it. <laughs> uh, name change, they didn't have paper again. Usually when they say they don't have paper, it's not because they don't have paper, it's because they want to bribe. But in this case, it was just because they didn't like us. Um, so we had to fight for that. And we applied for citizenship in New Zealand, New Zealand kept saying, it'll take 10 days, it'll take 10 days. 12 days later, I called them and said, oh, we don't have it yet. Um, you know, we have a flight booked in a week. And I, oh, we lost your file. Here, here's a refund. <laughs> oh, we don't want a refund. We want, <laughs> we want a passport. Um, so the passport came, shipped it from New Zealand to Africa. They jumped on the plane and... We're all here. Praise God. Um, so the, the thing that I found most difficult in this process was Mallory and I 
working together, agreeing with one another in faith. Mallory received a word that she would be done in June. Um, I, f- I found that I found that was too much of a stretch of my faith, and we have very different. We we have a di- very different kind of faith, and. She was saying, you know, I received this word from the Lord. He's confirmed it with this and this. And I found it so hard. It was frustrating me. And I'd I'd pray these prayers to the Lord over and over again. Father, why don't I have faith that this will be done in June? I want to have faith. I want to stand with her in this. Um, And eventually we were about two weeks out from June. And I said to her, look, I... I don't have faith for this. And the the whole time I was thinking of Romans 12, where it's talking about, you know, we all have different, just as each of us have has a body with different members, we're all members of the same body. And then it goes on to talk about, uh, we have different gifts according to the grace given. And if your gift is prophesy, then prophesy according to the faith that you have. And so I was feeling frustrated that I didn't have the faith for this. We, we decided that we would keep praying together, but instead of praying that we'd leave in June, we would pray that we would be united, that we would stand together. So f- for a couple of months, we, we were praying this prayer. June came and went. It really badly affected Mallory, I think, in her relationship with, with Jesus. She's like, I had this word. He confirmed it, and it didn't happen. What does that mean? And I was watching all this, and it just destroyed me. Because I was, I was feeling inside of me that I didn't have enough faith to stand with her and the promises that the Lord had given her. Um, <clears throat> but... Once, once that few months had passed, he gave us a flight to New Zealand. We spent some time together. We realized that we, we could have faith and we did have faith that he had given us the word that it would leave and that we, she would be done with Uganda in June. But it was June this year, June 2018. And so that's what we started praying into. And we prayed into it together. And it was... It was amazing. We, we wouldn't have been able to do what we did with the paperwork. We wouldn't have had the funding that we needed if we didn't know that it was going to take all the way to June. That paperwork shouldn't have taken six months. But because we knew it was going to take six months, we rented out Hassan's room and we had a little bit of extra money. We were able to plan all right, I'll go back in Easter, and then I'll meet you in the U.S. in June. We'll pick up that paperwork. And because we knew that information previously, it really helped us. So before I, before I hand over to Mallory, I just want to talk about my time here in New Zealand. I, the Lord keeps giving me this word since I've been here that the life I live, I live by faith. 
The life I live, I live by faith. It reminds me of a scripture from when I was at university, um, Galatians 2. Um, I've been crucified with Christ and no longer live. But the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I, I have so much. I, I have food to eat. I have a roof over my head. Um, I have everything that I need. The Lord's provided it for us. Uh, we went through six years of, well, four years of being apart when we desperately wanted to be together. But through it all, through it all, we knew, we knew that God loved us, that he first loved us. And he humbled us so that we could stand on his word. Now, now when I think about, think about all of this and when I talk to Mallory and Hassan through the day, um, I tell them that I love them, but I also substitute in something else instead. I, I tell them, I lay my life down for you. The richness that we have isn't isn't the food in our cupboards, it's not the jobs that we have, it's not the clothes we wear or the stuff in our lives. It's that we have each other. And that's what most that's what's most meaningful. I'll invite Mallory up and she can tell you her version of events. <laughs> Morning. I'm, I'm really excited to share today. This isn't like my normal feeling with sharing. Usually if I have to share, it's more like, oh, I want to vomit. But <laughs> um, the past few years, I've just like really seen the Lord deliver him. And so it just honors me to give him honor and glory this morning. And um, I kind of want to back up a bit because there are several things that just are uh, maybe critical in my story and in my life that I wanted to share that kind of helped me through this season that we just went through. Um, I became a believer when I was 14. At the time, I was contemplating suicide. I was depressed. I had addictions. I was in abusive relationships. And I felt like I had this curse, like anytime I looked out at my future, I couldn't feel like anything was going to satisfy me. I would look at being like a wife or a teacher or owning a bookstore or a thrift shop or being a mom, and I was like, none of those things look satisfying to me. And I just couldn't figure out, well, if this life has nothing for me, then why am I living it? <laughs> and I didn't know the Lord, but there was a coach I had, a basketball coach who was a believer and was discipling me. And in like my darkest moment, in my darkest hour, when I was ready to end my life, he called me just to tell me that I was loved and that everything was going to be okay. And that moment, like I just knew that God knew me and he saw me and he loved me and that he was the only thing worth living for. 
and it really just showed me so much that like what God deems as wisdom is foolishness to man because while I felt like I had this curse when I didn't know the Lord, I immediately saw that as a blessing once I was saved to see that nothing in this world is going to satisfy us except for the Father and except for the Father's love. And it just really helped me from a young age not chase after fruitless things, but to just give my life to the Lord and let it be his. Um, When I was 16, God put Uganda on my heart for the first time. I was not stoked about that. I was like, "Uh, I want to be a professional basketball player and live in a land that they have cheeseburgers. Like... (laughs) Africa? No thanks. (laughs) Um, But again, it was one of those things that God had shown me that nothing except being in his will would satisfy me. And so when I would look at other things, nothing looked satisfying. And I knew that that if that was the plan for me, that that was what God would do. So I was 20. I was on a mission trip in Northern Ireland. I ended up on a doorstep of a family. I walked in their house. They had a ministry in Uganda. (laughs) I was like, this is crazy. And so um, they were the ones who actually helped me get to Uganda for the first time when I was 21. And I was wrecked. I was absolutely wrecked. Kampala has, on like a normal week, probably five to 10,000 kids on the street. And they come from all different backgrounds, all different reasons why. Um, But I had never seen poverty like that. I had never seen just this whole generation living on the street and adults walking by them and they didn't care. (laughs) And it just wrecked me. I didn't know what to do with it. And I remember this day I, I came back. We had just come from the streets And I just sat in the garden, I was just praying, and I was like, Lord, I just want you to use me. And that was the cry of my heart, just use me, use me, use me. And God spoke to me so clearly in that moment, and he said, Mallory, if I walk through that gate right now, like, I would not say, come here, let me use you. Like, I would say, come here, let me love you. Um, And I felt kind of funny, like, should I be asking you to love me then? Like, haven't you loved me enough? I feel kind of selfish asking for more. But I realized that God's greatest desire is to love us. And when we're asking for him to love us, we come into agreement with his greatest desire over our lives. And that when we're asking him to love us, that's the place where we can best serve. Because that's when it's an overflow in our hearts. It's God's love that's pouring out of us. It's not our own strength. It's not our own love. It's not our own feeble hearts trying to do good things. And so I just really learned in that moment that, like, the best place for me to be is the place where I'm loved. And if God has, the place where God can love me best is the place where I'm going to best serve. And so... My six months in Uganda that I committed to kind of turned into seven years, which um, I was fine with because throughout that whole time, I really just believed I was in the place where I was being best loved. Um, In 2013, I was living in the home for street kids that our ministry had, and I had a dream. And I'm not really a person that's like has kind of crazy dreams a lot, so this one really shook me. But in the dream, I was following my friend Mark through the slum. And Mark went off one way, and I went, and I stood in front of this little boy, and he was crouched down in the dirt, and he looked up at me, and I just knew I was never going to forget his face. And in that moment, I heard this voice in the dream say, Mallory, this is your son. 
And I knew it was the Lord. And I woke up and I was shaking. I was crying. I was full of panic, but also full of joy. I was freaking out a little bit because I was like, God, I'm 23. I'm single. I don't want to be in Africa forever, (laughs) you know. And I woke my roommate up because I was making a big fuss. And she was like, Mallory, that dream could be for like 10 years from now. Go back to sleep. And I was like, huh, you're so wise. And I like rolled over, went back to sleep, no problem, it was fine. But um, two weeks later, I got a phone call from my friend Mark. And he was like, hey, I found this kid on the street at one of our street programs. He's really, really sick. Can you come take him to the hospital? And I was like, yeah, sure. And so I went to the street. I picked up the kid. When I first looked at him, he looked up at me. And I, like, really wish my reaction was, like, hallelujah, let it be, but (laughs) it was not. I let out a string of very ugly words because the face that looked up at me (laughs) was the same face from the dream that I had two weeks ago, and that was Hassan. And so I was freaking out. I was like, I'm not ready for this, but I find that God rarely ever takes us through things that we're ready for. Um... (laughs) And so I just really, um, I took him to the hospital. He came home, and from there, we, we just became family. Um, later on in 2014, uh, Uriah and I started dating. That was something from the outside. It looked really impossible. He was very tied down in New Zealand. I was very tied down to Uganda. I was fostering a child that I had to be in the country for for four years. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense, but we decided we were going to try it anyway. Um, And after he had spent that six months in Uganda where we started dating, he kind of left. And I think about a month after that, I went on a retreat for missionaries just to, like, give rest and revival. And I came home, and I was on fire. I was like, I love living in Africa. I'm going to live in Africa the rest of my life. If that man wants to marry me, he can come over here. Like, (laughs) I was just, like, so ready to be where I was. I was so passionate at the same time. And I think it was probably, like, two or three nights later, I was at a worship night, and God spoke to me and told me, "Um, Mallory, you're going to be done with Uganda in June. And I was hot. I was livid. I was so mad. And I knew that it was the Lord because it was the last thing I wanted to hear. (laughs) But then I, like, threw up a challenge at God, and I was like, okay, well, if that's the case, you need to do two things. The first is the ministry I was working with. I was in charge of one of the programs still. And I was like, you need to bring somebody to run this program, and you need to finish Hassan's adoption because we're only a year into the fostering process, and you've told me that this is my child. If this is my child, he has to go where I go. And so I kind of just left it at that, like, hmm, take that, you know? Like, had a nice attitude about it. I woke up to an email the next morning. It was a friend from home who was telling me that God had put it on her heart to come and take over the job that I was doing. And I was like, all right, that's half of it, you know, like the other half looked more impossible. Um, But I was meeting with a friend later in that week, and I was just kind of sharing with her. I think she was the first person I had opened up to about that word, because I was kind of just really scared of it. And when I was sharing with her, she she was like, oh, but didn't you hear? I was like, hear what? 
And she was like, well, Uganda just changed their adoption law. <laughs> I was like, to what? <laughs> and they changed their law so that you didn't have to foster for four years before you could adopt. It was just a one-year process. And so that was like the biggest affirmation to me that God was speaking to us that we were leaving in June. I threw up a challenge at him and he, he squashed me. <laughs> um, and so I was really humbled throughout that process. And we began just the process that Uriah just walked through of chasing down papers and refusing to give bribes. Um, and just, yeah, it was about a two and a half year process after that. But our wedding came and went. <laughs> Um, which was the following June, and like he said, I was just absolutely crushed. Um, but at the same time, Uriah and I came together, and we really started praying for two, th well, three things. The first is what he shared, and that's to be united. The second was that it didn't matter to us how God finished the adoption, but as long as he finished it in the way that gave him the most glory. And then the second, the third was that, that this new marriage that we had that was <laughs> weeks old, um, that it wouldn't be just for ourselves, but that that would also be for God's glory. And so we began praying those things. And like he said, we had about a month in Uganda married and about a month in New Zealand married. And then we started a year of long distance um, as I went back to Uganda. Um, and so around Christmas this year, Uriah came for a visit. And um, up until that point, I had been dealing with just a lot of fear from hearing from the Lord, just because I thought, well, I, I obviously misheard the first time. <laughs> and so for me to actually put myself before the Lord and hear from him again, I was finding that really challenging. And so... But when Uriah came back, we began to pray, and we really did have a lot of belief that God was speaking, that it would be this June that we were finished in. And it was like as soon as we put our heart and our belief in that, everything else clicked into place. At the time, we were waiting for our, our second court date. They were kind of just putting us off, saying, like, oh, we'll get to you when we get to you, you know. Um, and about a week after we had decided it was this June, they called us. They gave us a new court date for February. Um, I think it was just like days after we decided on June, the school that I used to work for called me and was like, hey, we just had somebody quit. Can you work for us from January to May? Which was a huge blessing for me because up until that point, we, I wasn't working. I was just sitting around trying to finish an adoption. <laughs> um, and then with that, they also provided us housing for free which was another huge blessing because at that time, I think at that time, Hassan and I had moved seven times in the past year. And so we were able to move into free housing that we like managed for most of our time up until May before we came back. And so as soon as we set our eyes on June, God began to move. And it was beautiful to me to see that that word come to fruition, but also to see that like God's words are so beyond our wisdom. They're so beyond our comprehension. Um, but the two things, I just want to talk quickly about the two battles that I really faced uh, throughout this. Um, and the first is fear. That's what I, I think I just mentioned that. I had a huge fear of hearing from the Lord again. I was just absolutely terrified to sit before him and to delight in him because I was like, 
there's something wrong with me, you know? Like, I just felt like if I misheard the first time, I was going to mishear again. But I was also so afraid because I felt like I had ruined our lives. Um, I had stepped out in faith to bring Hassan into our home, and I had stepped out to believe that his adoption was going to be finished. And then now I had two huge parts of my heart that had to live on different continents, and I felt very caught in the middle between them, bouncing back and forth. Um, and I was just afraid. I was afraid it wasn't going to finish. I was afraid it wasn't going to finish the way I wanted it to finish. I was afraid of what was going to happen if they said no again. Um, and so I was just really battling a lot of fear, but God really freed me from that, and he really led me um, to believe that we don't have to wait for our circumstances to change or for our problems to be solved for him to take our fear away. Um, You know, like when we ask for God to take our fear, he takes our fear. Um, And then problems become just that. They're problems. They're not these huge insurmountable mountains that cripple our worship and cripple who we are. They're just normal problems. And being loved by God, it casts out fear. It doesn't cast away problems. (laughs) Like if you're waiting for all your problems to go away so that then you you can... um, be free of fear and doubt and worry, you're going to be very disappointed because after this problem, there's going to be some more. (laughs) Um, And so the first thing I felt like God really just really freed me of was being fearful. Um, The second thing was just, it's like a combination of helplessness and depending on my own strength. I would go through these like cycles of feeling absolutely totally helpless because no matter what I did, the people wanted money or they wanted a paper or they wanted me to bring them a laptop or they just said no. (laughs) And I just couldn't do anything to make it better. No matter how hard I would chase it down, no matter how hard I could work for it. And so I would go from these helpless phases to relying on my own strength to try to get done what we needed to get done. And then I I would just collapse And I would just look to the Lord and just say, God, you just need to do it. Um, And you would think after like the first like two or three cycles of that, I would just start by sitting down and saying, God, you just need to do it. But it (laughs) took me a while to learn. Um, But that was a huge battle for me. But I fought that with two things. Um, The first is Psalm 37, which I'm going to share right now. just the beginning of the psalm. It says, fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, so shall thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way into him and trust also in him, and he'll bring it to pass. He'll also, he, shall also, he shall bring forth the righteous, thy righteousness as thy light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. Seize from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. 
for yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall, dile- and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. And that was just hugely encouraging me through this season of just standing on, the God, standing on God's word, knowing that those who are doing evil against us, it's not my job to take vengeance. It's not my job to be offended by them. It's not my job to fight them, but that, that the Lord will handle them. Like my job is to delight in him for all my days. Um, and then the second thing that really helped me battle my helplessness was the two lessons I felt like God taught me first when I was saved and second when he first brought me to Uganda was just believing that in my darkest moments, in my darkest hours, in the face of so much opposition, that I was where I was because I was in the place, like I was there because that was the place that God could love me best during that season. And that even if he, even if I was somewhere else, I wasn't going to be satisfied. And there's an Elizabeth Elliot quote that kind of goes along with that, and it just says that God will not protect you from going through anything that will make you more like Jesus. And um, just to, to wrap up, the, the two prayers that we talked about um, that we started praying when we became united were that God would finish this in a way that he received the most glory And every step in this adoption was brought to a place where the absolute only way for it to happen was for God to make it happen. And every time I saw God overcome, I kept thinking about that prayer that we prayed, that he would finish this in the way that he received the most glory. Um, And then the second prayer that we prayed was that our marriage would be for more than ourselves. And as Uriah and I just stood together throughout, like, these years or this season, um, and as we stood together just to believe, um, to believe that Hassan was our son and to believe that it was God's will for our family to be together, um, I really saw our second prayer being answered, that our marriage would be for more than ourselves. And so, um, yeah, that's what I, I have to encourage today with. So. Mallory.